All right, everyone, we're on the Soccer Hour here on KMBR 1050, and I am joined by the one and only Chris Dangerfield, of course, uh, Earthquakes legend. Now he's in the broadcast booth, uh, TV color commentator for the broadcast on NBC Sports California. Danger, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to what I think is going to be an exciting season. I l- like the makeup of the team. I like the way that, that things have evolved in the offseason, and uh I think we're in for a good one. I really do, Ted. I think it'll be fun as well, and there's a lot of changes. And that's where I kind of wanted to start is ask you about the the new coach, Michael Starre. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost a little bit embarrassed to say this, Danger, but I don't know very much about your coaching career. I know about you as a player, and I know about you as a broadcaster, and I know you had success as a coach, including in the U.S. Open. But what is Danger the coach like, and how do you look at what your experience was in coaching to how other coaches when they come into a new situation? Well, I've just had a chance to talk with Michael, and um, and uh, interesting character. Uh, I like his philosophy on the game. Uh, he's very much a player's coach. Um, he's somebody who's come up through the ranks of the game, not necessarily as a player, but took on youth teams as a young as a young man, mm-hmm. and that's where he learned the trade. He's, he's learned the trade by uh, being involved with top clubs and taking more and more responsibility along the way. Uh, in the brief conversation we just had with him, he's talking about. You know, the players being the important aspect of it, not necessarily the formation, trying to fit players into a formation, but looking who's available, who's fit, who's playing well, and let's put the best team on the park. And I like that philosophy. Um, from my perspective, you know, I, you know, similar to how I approach the game, and that will be to uh, be a good manager, make sure the players are enjoying and want to play for you and, and uh, get the right players on the park in the right positions at the right time. And there's no, no magic to that. Uh, but I do think that what they've done in the offseason as well, and that being, when I say they, uh, you know, you've got to give a lot of credit at the moment to the front office. Uh, you know, from Tom Fox all the way down, I think mm-hmm. Tom's given Jesse Farinelli the license to go out and do what he's good at, and that is to go out and, and make deals and be good on his promises to change things up. I do think the club was a little bit flatlining as far as just... It was going okay, and MLS okay is okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's no pro rel yet, so it's not like you get relegated. You start again every year. Um, but I, f- I felt that the the pot was a little bit boring, and it was going along that way. And and certainly changes need to be made. A lot of people talk about changes, but Jesse Farinelli has gone out and made those changes. I'm excited to see how those changes work out. But another important part of this, and we just spoke about this, Ted, and we just spoke with Coach Michael about this as well. Uh, that is uh, the, the the success of the USL program up in Reno. Yeah. And some of those players getting an opportunity to be part of the big team right now. The academy doing well under the guidance of Paul Holliker and also Chris Leach as a technical director. Who is, and once again, you know, Chris Leach still being involved, I think, is a very important part of this as well. Uh, gives us that continuity between the the team of last year and Stevie Ralston as well. Yeah, um, I think these are important pieces. But the academy doing well and some of those players getting a massive opportunity to train on a daily basis with the first team, hopefully make the team as far as starting, etc. This sends a message to all the youth in the Bay Area that the Earthquakes are a team that you, if you're good enough, you'll get a chance to play. I think that's important for young players. Well, it's interesting you allude to the pipeline now because the academy system, USL, you've got what's going on here in San Jose with the earthquakes. And then I think it's all allowing them to tap into that talent that's here in the Bay Area. I mean, due to the population density and the multicultural aspect, it seems like this now is finally being mined for the talent 
that it is. I mean, there's always been that talent. Maybe it was Major League Soccer maybe wasn't set up to identify it and use it to the best advantage. But with the homegrown system that's come in now, all the academy systems, I mean, you've seen it. You said yourself you got to coach Nick Lima. Now you're watching these guys with that opportunity. I mean, how much does that change everything for the earthquakes? Well, yeah, it's just putting out there the assurance that, once again, um, it's an option for you as a good player in the Bay Area as a youth player. Um, it's not perfect science right now. I think the scouting system still needs to continue to improve, mm-hmm. not just for the earthquakes, but also for, it's been talked about now with the new presidencies, every, everybody's trying to vie for, to be the new president <laughs> of U.S. soccer. Where, where was your candidacy? Yeah, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll do the next one. Um, <laughs> You know, I think one thing that's been talked about is these players that they're missing, you know, whether or not they're in the inner cities, whether or not they're in certain parts of the country that just isn't getting the scouting coverage they should do. Is the scouting system good enough? Are they being paid enough to scout? Is it, I mean, are really taking it seriously? All these things are now um, are starting to improve. My my little steps, yes, but you know it's it's getting better. And um, here in the Bay Area, I think that all the youth academies have always been very strong. Um, and, and now you can see that the earthquakes have made a a a decision to allow young players to get the opportunity if they're good enough. And I think that sends a good message. Now the MLS is a, as a whole, the product needs to continue to improve. Mm-hmm. So the top top players. Instead of going off to play for Borussia Dortmund or in uh, League MX, uh, are going to choose MLS, and I think that's where they need to be in the next four or five years. Is that when the next um, Pulisic comes through, uh, he's going to choose MLS? Do you think something like the Ezekiel Barco situation with Atlanta and them making that record transfer fee, fifteen million dollars, is is that going to change more the outlook for the league? Do you think? Are people going to say, hey, if these teams are putting up that kind of money and it's an American league that's growing, w- will it make it that much more attractive? Or is it still, I mean, how do you make it to where guys do want to play for Major League Soccer and not the Bundesliga or the EPL or La Liga or any of the big European leagues? I mean, is it so simple as money? Well, money goes a long way in this in the modern game. Obviously, we're just talking with Michael again about his time in China. Yeah. He was just there for a couple of seasons, and the money they were paying out there. I mean, you know, Carlos Tevez getting close to a million dollars a week. I mean, that's crazy. That's more <laughs> than you. That's great. more than you get. Yes, there. that's just a little bit. But the soccer's not great, though. A lot of people no. will they'll they'll say there's all the money in the world, but it's not a great product. So I think that's the answer. I think the important thing is this league needs to continue to improve. It needs to continue to get more media coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need the bigger TV deals and get the exposure to that. That's critical to the growth of the game. And, and then you need to be uh, providing uh, an infrastructure uh, uh, to, so these young players, and, and MLS is doing a good job now of getting young players, yeah. are going to want to come over here and um, not only get playing time at a high, high, high level, but also get the exposure, get the media exposure they need to maybe make their next move. Right now, you, you know, you see Arthur Blank and you see the Atlanta United team and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're the new Cosmos, right? They're going out and getting everybody <laughs> at a young level. They're not getting Pelé and Beckenbauer, et cetera, but they're getting quality players at the right age. Maybe their game plan is to sell Almiron and Barco and make double money and take their 15 and make it 30. And why not? You know, if they're yeah. going to move on at the right time but for the right money. But at the same time, you know, you're going to attract a lot of good young players that way uh, coming into the league. And all the league can do is continue to improve as a whole. 
for Michael Starre now as he's got these new players beyond wins and losses what's the hardest thing for him as a coach it's his first year in a new league and that's the different one and 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 I talk about this all the time from a playing perspective how difficult this league is to play in mm-hmm. because literally you fly five hours three hour time difference and you play in if the if the team was to fly for example Philadelphia could be like the third game of the season away yeah it could be snowing yeah easily <laughs> it could be snowing and you've got to fly six hours three hour time difference I mean some of these players would never see anything like that and there's a very good chance that coach Michael has never seen that either right um, so he has to quickly adapt to the game he's got people around him his own people he's brought with him and also Chris Leach that know the league very very well they make sure he's prepared for that but it's a difficult league to play in. It's a difficult coach to play league to coach in. It's not only the time difference and the and the actual surfaces and the and the climate. Um, you know, you've got an Atlanta team that's playing one style. You've got a Vancouver team that's playing a different style with different players. So it's um, yeah, is there's a lot to learn in a quick time. And on top of that, he's going to have yes, some players he knows well. Mm-hmm but a lot of players he's never seen before. Yeah. And he has to try and make a team. Who are you most excited about that's coming in that's new? Is it going to be um, a guy like Magnus? Is it going to be somebody like Harold Cummings, who we didn't get to see last year because he was out all year? Because they always want to see more on the attack. But again, you look at last year, the problem was the back line and the defense. It was on the road. It was porous, for lack of a better term. Yes, and, and all the changes that have been made, I think, have been good so far. Um, I mean, I'm talking... Even to the point of um, bringing in the younger players, we've mentioned that. Uh, I do like the combination of Cummings and Kentara at the mm-hmm. back. Uh, you know, there's going to be an ability to communicate language wise. That's always very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, Colombian slash Swedish <laughs> left back and Keyberg, right? But you've also got Nick Lima, who's you know, obviously doing very well at the moment as well. I think yeah. this look that has the making of a good back four, a well-balanced back four, mm-hmm. and one that uh, will have competition as well, obviously, with um, with Flo being in the mix there and um, uh, um, Affolter being in the yeah. mix there, those type of players. But I am excited to see how Howard Cummins uh, is, gets over his injuries. Uh, and it was a bad one last year, yeah. and hopefully he's av- available and ready to play. Um the, fl- the vers- versatility of Flo Jungwirth to yeah. play in the midfield or the back is important. Um, I'm a big fan of Godoy. I think the fact that he's signed on again and will be in the center of the park other than going off to the World Cup is uh, a big plus for the team. Danny Houston re-signing is a massive plus for the team. But the player I'm most excited about seeing, to answer your question <laughs> in a roundabout way, is Ericsson. Because, okay. you know, I've watched him. He looks like he's a nasty little guy. Yeah. He looks like he gets into people, <laughs> into people's skin. The term red ass has yeah. been thrown around. <laughs> he, he's he's going to be one of these guys that I think the fans are going to love. He's going to be giving uh, uh, the best Viking chants out there and go at 110%. <laughs> he's quick. He's aggressive. Hopefully he scores goals, and I think that's a nice combination for the fans. Did you play alongside anybody who was great at getting under the other team's skin? Oh yes, <laughs> plenty of those. Um, does that? But I mean, does that help your team? Does it? Can you tell when that team has been mentally affected by a guy out there? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, whether it was indoor soccer or outdoor soccer, you've also got those, always got those kind of characters, you know, people that just rub people up the wrong way. It could be <laughs> in an aggressive standpoint. Um, you know, players like uh, how you actually played with and, and, and for, like Adam Merrick, who played here with the Earthquakes for a short time. Lovely, lovely guy, and he'd be lovely and talking to you, but at the same time, he'd be kicking you at the same time, and he'd be, he'd be grabbing you and like, oh, some nasty stuff, you know? And, but he did it in a clever way. The referee never saw it, and, but he knew he was really upsetting the other team. And uh, then he had other characters. Uh, David Byrne used to play in Minnesota as well. Center forward, play for Toronto. Just a, just a nasty player on the – great lad, great lad. But he would just, just be – nuts never shut up for the whole 90 minutes just in the rears in the rears winding people up you know we saw plenty of them right yeah of course and uh, you I mean, know. Who, who forget who can forget the Devlin brothers you know well, what I mean? it, it, hello we'll continue this conversation with chris dangerfield coming up next on the soccer hour on kmbr 1050